The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. John Anik and Kenny Florian. I fucking love them. I can't get enough of them. Let's hear that for the next. Big job there from Duffy and Frank Mir is hurt now. Oh, down goes Duffy. Oh, cold. Frank Mir does it again. Rock'em, sock'em, robots here. Oh, my goodness. I They're a couple of absolutely self-involved bullshit artists. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. Oh, I got to get one more in the can before 2021 is a wrap. Good to have you with us Tuesday, December 28, 2021, episode 330. Sounds like a lot of the Anakin Florian podcast. You got to quit or you got to stay with me. Coming up on the seven year anniversary, so hopefully you'll stick around. What a terrible t shirt you're wearing today. What that oh, come on. Christmas. Look at this thing. Dude, I, first of all, it is Tuesday, right? We're, we're doing the podcast on a Tuesday. Typically, we do it on a Monday. I can't tell you how many messages and DMs I'm getting. Where's the podcast? We got to wait for the we, huh. I mean, listen, the fans are awesome, but we're getting it, guys. It will be up in a little bit. It'll be there. And, uh, yeah. and it's here. And we're going to talk to uh, strength and conditioning guru. Juan Carlos Santana here coming up in a little bit. Uh, he's one of the coaches I work with here at the Institute of Human Performance. Also head coach for, head, not head coach, head strength and conditioning coach for uh, for one welterweight contender, Gilbert Durino Burns. All right. So our award show is coming up on January 10th. We're going to rifle out the categories today. Knockout of the year. If you just want to eliminate the category, I'm okay with it. There were so many amazing knockouts like a dozen of them right right like how do you not nominate dan Ige against gavin tucker he's not getting any shine you know chris barnett the spinning wheel kick against john volante cutting room floor you know Ridiculous. so we're going to go through yeah. the categories and we're also going to announce at this time the finalists for our internship sweepstakes in 2022 drum roll please if you hear your name called right now fascinating content i'm sure for uh for the majority of our audience if you hear your name called right now that means that you are a finalist and you will be charged with submitting a 45 second video to anikflorianpodcast at gmail.com you can use we transfer i truly don't care how you get us this video you are a finalist you submit a 45 second video only prerequisite is that it's your face and your name and we will play them all back on the podcast. And with the help of the listenership, we will decide who our intern is for next year. As far as the intern's responsibilities, Ken Flo, I mean, I don't think they're coming to wax your Porsche in Charlotte, North Carolina. Oh, come they, on. <laughs> well, we can. It's a non-paid internship. You will get a holiday bonus of some kind, whether it's cold, hard cash like Longo or just merchandise. This is a non-paid event. I should uh, I maybe if you're. Go ahead. I was hoping for car washes, like getting yeah. my clothes clean. You know, they gotta like <laughs> clean my underwear and shit. That'd be yeah. Cool. That'd be good. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I this isn't not. like uh, fraternity pledging. This is okay. uh, right. a resume builder, hopefully for somebody. Fine. Intern, <laughs> unpaid intern on the Anakin Florian podcast for 2022. You can earn a one year extension for 2023, incidentally as well. Um, but basically, you submit the video with your name and your face as to why you should be the guy. And as far as your real responsibilities, you're going to do the standings for Ken Flo and James Krause for the main event challenge. You're going to help Cody with some social media stuff, I'd imagine, as well. And, uh, you know, you better like Cody Marrow because he's going to be your right-hand man. All right, without further delay, Jake Perlstein, Colin Shea, Will Berger, Dallas, I don't know your last name, Philip Howe. Jeff Wyrie, spelled W-A-I-R-I. Mason Phillips, you're a finalist. Oscar Silva, welcome. Luke Connell, 
Jake Temcio, Nathan Vent, Michael Falkov, Hayden Boggs, Michael Alvarado, and Dustin Love. You are the finalists. To all of you females out there, um, where are you? Thanks for participating. <laughs> you know? But uh, Jake, Colin, Will, Dallas, yeah, Phillip, Jeff, Mason, Muster. Luke, we have to Jake, have like a 99% male listening rate. I mean, it's got to yeah, be. That's I mean, confirmed. Can yeah. Dallas be a girl, hopefully? I actually wanted to name one of my daughters Dallas. My wife was not having it. Hayden Boggs. I think Hayden Boggs is is a man as well. So, um, But Jake Perlstein, Colin Shea, Wilberger, Dallas, Philip Howe, Jeff Wyrie, Mason Phillips, Oscar Silva, Luke Connell, Jake Temcio, Nathan Vent, Michael Falkov, Hayden Boggs, Michael Alvarado, and Dustin Love are our finalists for our 2022 internship sweepstakes. Those videos coming to you sometime in January as the scintillating content continues here on the Anakin Florian Podcast. Anything else on that, Ken Flo, before I move on to the awards? I think that's it. I'm excited. Excited to get my intern. Right. There might be a little bit more money for the guy who gives me some more points against Kraus uh, in All 2022. Right. All right. Yeah. Ken Flo's looking to rig the standings. I'm really curious what some of these videos are going to hold. Some of these people are probably like, damn it. I wish that wasn't a prerequisite, you know? <laughs> All right. So January 10th will be our award show after the dark week next week. So rookie of the year is a category. I think Patty Pimblett's going to get a lot of consideration there. Breakout star of the year doesn't have to be someone who made their debut in 2021. Rookie of the year has to be, you know, I'm seeing Bilal Muhammad get some consideration for breakout star. Of the yeah. year. Not sure he's going to get my hardware, but, um, wouldn't mind giving him a trophy of some kind. Uh, the Robert Fallis cornerman slash coach of the year. You know, I said on the airwaves earlier that I was going to give this award to Fernand Lopez. Um, I think Trevor Whitman, obviously, is a name that deserves consideration. Uh, Raul Arvizu, right, coach of Brandon Moreno, breaking through with a UFC champion. A um, lot of different options. For I'd, give it to Kra- I'd give it to Kraus, but he's my rival now. So I can't. Yeah, I can't give it to Kraus, right? Yeah. I gave it to him last year. But again, a lot of people look at what Trevor Whitman has done with two defending champions and then Gaethje winning that eliminator. And they look solely at the stakes. And, you know, Trevor Whitman is a tremendous mind. And certainly if I were ever to fight, he'd be one of the first people that I would call. But I don't always look at stakes, right? Like I gave James Krause my coach of the year last year. And to my knowledge, he didn't coach a UFC champion. You know, I think it's okay to think outside the box. Mm -hmm. But as far as I'm concerned, Fernand Lopez, to whatever degree, found and built Francis Ngannou into a pretty good form before Eric Nixick and company took over. And Seattle gone, you know? So at some point, it's like Fernand Lopez can get a fucking trophy for the Anakin Florida podcast. You know, that's what I'm saying. Um, he also got two lottery tickets in that in that process. I will too. Know. <laughs> it's like two giant Adonises show up at your gym. You're like, what? What are the odds? Well, quite literally, Ken. I mean, Francis showed up on his doorstep homeless, and he's like, "Hey, like, can I box?" And he's like, "You're like yeah. six six two forty. Like, how about you fight <laughs> MMA?" Well, right. there you go. So he deserves a trophy for yeah, guiding okay. him All into right. MMA. That'd yeah. be like if that'd be like if LeBron James walked into your gym. You're like, "Hey, do you want to play basketball?" Like. <laughs> Well, well yeah. also, you look at them two different, two very distinct styles, right? Yeah. So, gone, so he yeah. knows how to cater the fighting style to the fighter, yeah. which is, I mean, uh, you want you know. sorry, you cut out for a second. I didn't mean to cut you off. I mean, I'll drop a fucking Pavel Fedotov on you, too. I mean, can <laughs> Valentina Shevchenko's head coach get some goddamn consideration? You know, upset of the year. 
you know, <clears throat> this highlight of Anthony Fluffy Hernandez submitting Adolfo Vieta keeps getting repurposed, and certainly it's going to get consideration for upset of the year and submission of the year. Um, but I didn't say Anthony fucking Hernandez. I can say that here. But as it gets repurposed, it sounds like I'm saying Anthony fucking Hernandez submits Adolfo Vieta when I'm saying Anthony Fluffy Hernandez. And I actually have heard it enough now where I'm starting to think that it that maybe I said fucking Hernandez. But I know. <laughs> It was Anthony Fluffy Hernandez. It's amazing. Juliana Pena, is she not? I mean, one of us has to give her upset of the year, right? I mean, one of us. Yeah. I mean, kind of All a big right. fight. Kind of a big Knockout fight. of the year. So, uh, do you have a pick for knockout of the year? I mean, without like stealing the thunder I, for. I got a couple, man. I got a couple. Hit we have with Abuzman, Masvidal. We right. have the Yuri Prohaska against Rays, right? Yep. Those are a couple that stand out. I mean, there's. There's a lot. There was a lot of damn knockouts this year. Yeah, <clears throat> maybe Cody will give out a knockout of the year as well because Sanhagen, obviously against Frankie Edgar, yes. has to get some consideration. Um, Edson Barboza against Shane Burgos, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know. Trying to think outside the box, you know. I guess if you're considering the championship setting for Usman, um, what he did to Jorge Masvidal has got to be hard to deny. Submission yeah. of the year. I feel like I'm seeing a lot of people for Andre Muniz against Jacques de Souza, Brandon Moreno against Davison Figueredo. Again, shifting the choke several times before getting it to, uh, to cinch in there and winning a championship in the process. So there you consider the stakes. Vicente Luque submitted both Tyron Woodley and Michael Chiesa, you know, yep. um, Paul Craig year. versus uh, Hill, Jamal, <clears throat> right? Paul Berju Craig. Yeah. yeah. Uh, fight of the year, Justin Gaethje versus Michael Chandler, certainly from one of us in all likelihood, you know, Marlon Marais versus Marab Dwalish Willie, uh, is a fight that came to mind. And you know how Longo keeps beating this drum, by the way, about Marab being the forgotten man. No Ray Longo this week, by the way. <clears throat> sorry. Fucking sorry. <laughs> so Marab really is the forgotten man, right? Like I'm trying to be objective about all of this, but he's number six in the world and he's not mentioned in any of these championship conversations. And if I keep calling Hamzat Shimaev, you know, the boogeyman, candy man, you know, like Marab's kind of that guy at 35, you know, um, he's not the guy that anybody calls out. And I even think about my dear friend, Dominic Cruz. It's like, okay, Cruzy, like you want to move up to number six, like, How's it sound fighting Marab, and how much are you going to spar in advance of that? And what exactly are we doing to prepare for Marab? Like he's he's this great outlier in that top six, and I just you know, for all these guys having to get through that stylistic challenge, I think is something. Um, but I guess that's neither here nor there. All right, the Adam Snacks Geller Male Fighter of the Year, named in honor of our late great friend Adam Snacks Geller. I mean, Charles Oliveira is the fighter of the year, is he not? You go on Usman, I mean, with the 3-0 versus the 2-0, how is Charles Dubronx Oliveira not the male fighter of the year? It's, yeah, I mean, he's certainly a front runner. I mean, how do you deny him that? The guy has looked fantastic. You look at all the skills and all the ways that he can beat you. Uh, he's an absolute menace in the octagon, man. So, yeah, hard to deny him that. Congrats, Charles. We won't make you wait till January. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Congratulations. And then female fighter of the year. Mostly it's going to center on the champions. Um, but I think Juliana Pena, by nature of that singular win, is going to get a lot of consideration. And then our final category is hottest male fighter. This hasn't canceled us yet. We've been doing this award for seven years running, right? And this has not gotten us in any trouble yet. This is a looks competition. We don't do it for the women. We're trying to determine the, the most attractive male fighter on the roster. So 
Yeah, and, and John, obviously, you can't vote for me this year. I All know right, that right. was uh, a part of your plan. Right, I am retired, so I so I am not. I would say I would say Chaos Williams, but like I'm intimidated to like message <laughs> Chaos. Like, hey, what's your T-shirt size? Congratulations, your hottest male fighter. Like, not you through, off. He will, yeah, he'll punch you via email. Is what he'll yeah, do. Right, he'll knock yeah, you out. Not, yeah, they're not trying to piss off Chaos Williams. So I'll probably go with the more uh, even-tempered action man, Chris Curtis, as my hottest male fighter of the year. We had an appearance together, and uh, Chris Curtis was looking mighty fine in his vest getup and all that stuff. Um, all right, today's episode of the Anakin Florian podcast is presented by OddShark.com, the most reliable source for sports betting information with the latest odds, insight, and analysis on everything UFC. I would encourage you to check out OddShark.com slash UFC. Get everything you need to know before placing your bets on the upcoming fights in 2022. OddShark Fight Center is up and running. Great resource for fans and the media as well. All the matchup information presented in a nice, logical way. OddShark also gives you a compilation of all the odds from various sports books so you can compare prices. And they're experts not only insightful, but they've been invested in mixed martial arts. They've been capping mixed martial arts for a long time. So check it out as you get ready for UFC 270 next month. Every click also supports the Anakin Florian podcast, OddShark.com slash UFC. Don't forget the second S. All right, now joining us on the guest line, founder and CEO of the Institute of Human Performance in Boca Raton, Florida, Ken Flo. I'm glad I'm not there right now. I can tell you that. Uh, and for a long time, this man, one of the United States' leading practitioners of functional fitness, the great J.C. Santana, is with us. Juan Carlos, good morning. Great to see your shiny face. How are you, sir? Good morning to both of you and everybody that's out there. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, it's nice to see you and not be out of breath, you know. Uh, <laughs> So, um, so if my research is accurate, you opened IHP 21 years ago. You've been working with athletes across all different sports for many, many decades. Who was the first MMA fighter that, that crossed your wake that you worked with? Uh, the American top team, the American top team. Um, yes, uh, my, my, my intro obviously was with the first, um, uh, with the first UFC. And I remember telling my son, I was like, one day I'm going to train those guys. You know, and um, in 2000, they introduced me to Marcelo, Marcelo, Conan's brother. And we met and boom, it, we hit. And um, Jeff Munson, Hermes Franca, um, uh, 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 Thomas Dean, all those guys were part of that group. Pablo, uh, Pablo Popovich, just to name a few. Yeah. And and it was a gladiator back. I'm not kidding you, man. Back when Marcelo used to come in, they had like six sessions a day and he would come in with twenty dollar bills. And if you were late, you would not get in a twenty dollar bill. If you attended yeah. all three, four, whatever sessions, he would hand out twenty dollar bills. And that's how they were making their money. Wow. Yeah. Well, yeah. you are not late today, so you'd still be in on the $20. So yeah, <laughs> so many different directions we can go in this interview with you, and we're going to sort of um, hit the playback meter a little bit later and, and go back to Pride 34 in a little bit and talk about Jeff Munson. But in terms of modern-day mixed martial arts training, and I know you work with athletes across all different sports, but what amazes me is how many different approaches there are when it comes to the elite athletes, right? And it's not just in terms of sparring, right? You have a guy like Dominic Cruz that has to spar every other minute. Max Holloway, arguably the best boxer in the UFC right now, doesn't spar at all. Um, why is it not more mainstream? And are all of these approaches in your mind um, okay? I mean, 
I, I think we're coming into uh, into an era where we're going to recognize the wear and tear that training um, that training causes because we we especially especially combat sports it we we come from a, a world of where if we're if we're not punished if we're not hurt almost if we're not injured coming into a fight we haven't done enough work and and I've and I've heard it I've heard it if you're not hurting you haven't done enough work right and the whole bit. Um, I think as soon as MMA gets to be NFL, NBA money, they're going to start looking at fighters the way they look at uh, people like uh, Mayweather, for example. You can't go to Mayweather camp and beat up on Mayweather. Yeah, they'll 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 take you out the back, and you ain't coming back in. So when when these guys see themselves as Ferraris, they will no longer take themselves into the sand dunes. Okay. Right. So in my opinion. The reason we're getting better, everybody wants to uh, wants to say it's training. I wish it was training. And yes, that is part of it. But the reason that we're getting better is because of what uh, David Epstein calls the democratization of sports. More eyes on the sports. When you have more eyes on the sport, then what happens? More people are practicing the sport. When more people practice the sport, the, the number of participants go and your genetic pool starts to rise, rise, rise. And then you get real athletes. Look at the first fighters that we had. I mean, they were, they were holding on. They, they were bartenders. They were uh, bouncers. They were pit fighters. You know, they were stomping on each other's heads. Look at, go, go now, uh, 25, 30 years. Now you have the John Jones that could play probably, uh, uh, you know, various, certainly college, college sports, if not pro. You have the St. Pierre's. You got real athletes coming now. You know, so right. uh, when you when you combine that genetic predisposition, you're getting the Nunganus. I mean, you think that body was built by training? Come on, bro. Right. You know, Kamaru Usman. It, it's not the training. It is the natural selection that occurs when you have a democratization of anything, more people participating. Now, yeah. that that being said, we also have really good advents on uh, nutritional products. Uh, the training, I think the training has done more, more damage, and I think we're going to have to back up on the training. There's no need, and, I'm, and, and I know that I'm going to disagree with a lot of strength coaches, there's no need for, for, uh, for example, uh, Gilbert Burns to be deadlifting 300 pounds, much less 400 pounds. Why? Why? If, if he picks up somebody, he's going to pick some, up somebody that's in the 190 range. So why would a, why would a deadlift uh, go maybe above 225, 200, 225? Why? There's no need. I, when I was working with uh, Tiago Alves, constantly had a bad back when he was training with his other trainer. When he came back to IHP, I trained him. I was his first strength and conditioning coach uh, when he was 19 when he came in. And then he left, uh, and then he came back. He had back problems. And that's because he was deadlifting 400 and change. So I said, no, we're not doing that. And his back problems left immediately. Oh, my. <laughs> I wonder why, you know? Cancel. So, you gotta stop deadlifting four hundred and twenty yeah, pounds, bro. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That was my issue. You know, so, I'm, so yeah. curious, I'm curious. You know, you, you mentioned you know you watched MMA in the early days. What was it that intrigued you about the sport, and why you said, "Hey, I, I want to train those guys," or "I'm going to train those guys one day"? Was it the potential that you saw in the sport, or the potential that you saw to help them, or, or what was it? It was everything, Kenny, because, you know, when I'm growing up, I'm growing up with Bruce Lee and not Bruce Lee, the Kung Fu, although I did Kung Fu, boxing, Liam Kung Fu uh, yeah. and all that. But it was his philosophy. You know, it was his Tao. It was when, when he analyzed all the sports and started looking at weaknesses. All right. And you would see 
No, no eye gouging, no sin raking as a weakness. I'm going, this guy's not thinking traditional. This guy's thinking really martial arts to the pure sense, not any one discipline. So I always loved martial arts and I love that Jeet Kune Do, everything goes. So as soon as I saw that, man, I, I, it was advertised like two months before. I was like a kid in Christmas, uh, Christmas night, uh, Christmas Eve night. I was like, I can't wait till tomorrow to see the red bike, you know? And when I saw it, I was seeing it with Rio. Rio was like, um, I, I think he was two years old. All right. And I see it and my wife is next to me. Uh, and the, the sumo wrestler gets drop kicked and the tooth perm goes out. <laughs> And, and she stands up. She goes, oh, my God. And Rio, Rio's going, ah. I'm going, this is when it's getting good now. <laughs> and if you don't know, by the way, Rio is JC's son and my trainer at the Institute of Human Performance. See, JC, I don't like to tell people I train. I say I work out, right, because I'm not really an actor, <laughs> but he's technically my trainer. Um, As you were saying, sorry, I didn't mean to. No, no, that's yeah, all good. It's all good. And I'm curious how – the training has evolved since you first got into MMA. How has your approach evolved over the years? Uh, it's gotten lighter, Kenny. Uh, when I started, when I started, you know, I believed in heavy lifting and I believed in a lot of the traditional lifts. Um, for example, Jeff Munson loved um, uh, with, with Rodney Ferguson. I could work some of the Olympic lifts, which I used to compete in Olympic weightlifting. I used to teach uh, Olympic weightlifting as an instructor. Uh, so, so, you know, when you're coming up, you, you got the tools you got and, and you go through the years. I've seen that um, Jeff Munson with his one arm snatch. All right. Uh, uh, Roddy with his ricochet cleans. All right. And I'm going, OK, we're getting our asses beat by people who don't do these things. So what what's happening? And then over time, I'm putting the best physical specimen on the field and we're losing. We're losing for one reason or another. And I'm going, okay, wait a minute. So strength and conditioning is very important, but it's not what we think it is. Mm. So I started saying, okay, what, when, when Gilbert Burns lost to Camaro, what happened? Because I'm telling you this right now. And, and I love what, who, I, I love what Camaro has done. I can't respect them more. The guy's amazing, but I had the better guy in there that night. Re, uh, uh, Gilbert was faster. Gilbert was more powerful. Gilbert was stronger. Gilbert would outlast him. Why did Gilbert gas? And why was he taken out by a jab? A series of jabs, but one in particular. Mm -hmm. Because what we're working on right now is called psychomotor vigilance. That's the key. You can be in shape. And when in the moment of, of, of being tired, you don't pay. You're not hypervigilant. That happens. Now, did you have an adrenaline dump? How can you train for an adrenaline dump? You don't, because that's experience. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So we we so now I'm I'm up I'm up here, and instead of saying instead of thinking, what's the most that I can do with my athlete? No, 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 no. I'm looking at it like I buy a car. What is the where can I get the car the cheapest? The same car, good quality, but I don't want to pay if I don't have to. So what is the minimum training that I can do to make a guy more successful? Why is that approach my approach? Because the rest goes to recovery. They're making a big deal out of the recovery. They want a cold plunge, hot plunge. They want to do all this shit. Dude, do less, sleep more, period. Yeah. Now, we got, we got some good supplementations. We got some IV drips that are awesome, NAD uh, plus, all that. Great, do it. But you, you're, you're just like you can't, you can't work out 
a bad diet, you can't work out enough if you got a bad diet to lose weight because the caloric intake can be so fast that you're going to be running a marathon a, a day and you're still getting fat. So you can't work out a way, uh, a, a bad diet away. You cannot, you cannot do that with training. You cannot train away a bad strategy. You cannot train away an overtired uh, fighter and you cannot train away bad technique. Yeah. yeah. Period. So I spend, make- spend, spend more time training. Spend more time with drills, not live, drills. Then you can go li- live drills, but drills, drills. That shit has to be, uh, uh, you cannot be missing an arm bar because they don't, those chances don't come around, you know, four times around. You get a triangle, there's no excuse to, to miss that. You got to work on that. Yeah. You got to work on that. First person I ever heard say drillers make killers was Kenny Florian in 2007. Speaking of which, <laughs> Jeff Monson, Pride 34, 2007, against Kazuyuki Fujita, this jaw crank, right? So I'm reading from a J.C. Santana email here, Ken Flo. Face cranks are easy to get and terrible on the opponent, but have not made their way to the mainstream like low kicks. Not as popular yet, but it will be. So I don't disagree. And I he- whenever Ken Flo nods his head, that's a good thing. He doesn't nod his head very often when I'm talking, J.C. No, but seriously, <laughs> like why aren't people face cranking more now? Like why are they going to be face cranking more in 12 to 18 months than they are right now? Uh, as soon as – just just like the low kicks – <clears throat> I've been I've been talking about low kicks since 2000 because I was a short Muay Thai fighter, very short. I was a 160 pounder, and I'm five nine with a 69 inch reach. There's no friggin' way that I'm getting in on these six two guys. It's like right. no way. Right. So the 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 only way I could soccer kick their calves, so I could lean back, come in, and since I have a little experience with judo, I have that judo timing, that that misstep, that that pop, and you know that that counter step that puts somebody on a single leg. So I have that. So I'm teaching that that low kick to uh, to Munson, and of course Munson's got two left feet. He ain't gonna do no le- low kick. <laughs> right. And and Radiz there, he picks it up, and the rest is history. But anyways, it just it just takes one or two guys to get it, and then it becomes it becomes a thing. The the face crank hasn't become a thing. And I look this this is my stuff. This is what I spend time thinking. The orbital bone is extremely extremely sharp right here, bro. This is like a blade. Everybody will give you their face. Everybody will give you their their nose. Everybody will give you their mouth. Okay. When we went against Fujita, I said, um, I said, Jeff, you're gonna get his back. The only problem is you're not gonna get a chokehold because the guy's got no neck. So if you got no neck, what are you gonna put a chokehold on? I said, grab his jaw, secure it right in here, and we have these things called gable lock pull-ups, where we put uh, uh, one of our power slings, we put a hand across here, and we do pull-ups this way. And for me to put that in Jeff's head, I said, let me explain to you what this is like. Put your head sideways on a bench. Then I'm going to put an Eric's pad on you. And then I'm going to load up one of these bars with 225 and gently place it on your head. Okay. That is what one of your chokes feels like. You want to sign up for that? And he got it. He went. He went. I do weigh 237. I am pulling myself multiple times. I can do 20 second holds. I go, if you do that to a human skull, I'm telling you right now, you will bust it like a pimple. Yeah. 
Well, and okay. you know, and he Kenny got him. Oh, and Kenny, he did. And Kenny always fought with bad intentions. Everybody sees Kenny now as this, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right? Nasty prick in his prime. My, my boy, I love one it. One <laughs> of the most decorated, not just submission artists in UFC history, but real naked <clears throat> choke artists in UFC history. So, Ken Flo, I got to know what you think about all of this, right? And, well, it, I'm smiling, John. I'm smiling because, first of all, I, I had a couple strength condition coaches uh, during during my career, and they were both influenced by a lot of the exercises that JC Santana used to talk about and, and teach. Uh, and I, I, I remember doing not only the pulls, but I used to do the holds as well. I would hold my body up in the air and I had to hold it during my circuits. Um, so no, I, I mean, again, what's interesting to me, John, is that here's a guy from a strength conditioning background, but he actually thinks like a martial artist first, then applies the strength conditioning, which I think is is very rare because a lot of people come into the game. If you're a boxing coach, if you're a wrestling coach, if you're a jiu-jitsu coach, we come in with our biases and we go, well, you know, the answer is always going to be jiu-jitsu from a jiu-jitsu coach. And the answer is always going to be, you know, Muay Thai from a Muay Thai coach. You know, if you have a wrench all the time, the answer is always the wrench. But you have to think out of the box and you have to think logically and you have to think like a martial artist. I think that's what makes jc different than a lot of the other guys out there that's that's absolutely correct that's why i'm a good swim coach i got i got swim uh one of one of our guys that trains out of cincinnati just won uh, the um the gold medal in the 200 im carson and um what we do is for example we'll do a versa climber run and we'll put his race in front of him and he's got to go world record pace and he's got to visualize it while he's watching it and we're, we're trying to think outside the box to put somebody in the event, in the event. So all I got to do is get you tired. We call that a pre-fatigue and then put you in the event with psychomotor vigilance. You got to be hyper vigilant. You got to be living the event. And I and I am confident about this. That is equivalent to practice. Yeah. That is Ken, equivalent to practice. Ken Flo spent so many hours on the Versa Climber back in the day. I wonder, like, when you say Versa Climber, if he was hooked up to a heart monitor, if he, like, skipped I'm sweating the already. I'm sweating <laughs> already. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. JC Santana from the Institute of Human Performance joining us here on the Anakin Florian podcast. So your highest profile UFC fighter right now, of course, Gilbert Durinho Burns, who made the introduction for me with you guys, and I thank him every day for it. <clears throat> Excuse me. So... He hasn't fought since the win over Stephen Wonderboy Thompson about six months ago. Um, maintenance training versus actually being in camp. I know you see him less, obviously, when he is not in training camp. Um, what's happening when Gilbert is not actively training for an opponent and a date? Maintenance. Maintenance. So, for example, let's say that we have our, our, um, we have our, our favorite exercises that we do, like the holds and things like that, like the clinch curls and, and all of those. And we just have him do those at at uh, normal weight, okay? A couple of sets. And if you look if you look at the training sessions, you go, "That's it." I'm going, "Yeah, that that's it." What what are we doing? What are we? Oh, we got to improve. No, you don't have to improve. No, you don't have to improve. Everybody wants to break through plateaus, um, uh, John. Everybody wants to break through plateaus. You don't break through plateaus, man. Plateaus are an indication that you have hit your genetic bandwidth. You, if you don't stay in your genetic bandwidth, I guarantee you, you either end up, you, you overtrain, but you might eat even worse. You might end up with artificial joints 10 years from now. So the whole thing is you got to stay inside of the genetic bandwidth. Once you hit, once you hit plateau, that's a physical indication that you've hit your maximum. Okay. Why are we break, breaking plateaus on benches, squats and all this? Why? Why? 
Right. It, it, it's like it's like showing up uh, with one hundred and twenty thousand dollars for an eighty thousand dollar car. Right. So is there more of a quitter in my genetic bandwidth than Kenny's, for example? Um, I I'm telling probably, you this. Probably. I'm, I'm telling okay. you this right now. Um, every, we, we think of genetics in terms of hair, skin color, height, you know, genetic. We have more um, intergenetic variability inside than we do outside. So you think people are different outside? You should see one person inside. Right, right. Everything, uh, aptitude, um, humor, uh, discipline, organization, all of those are genetic. Can they be moved? Yes, there's a genetic bandwidth that you can move people in. But you're not going to go past the genetic bandwidth unless you're right. using steroids or unless you're going to pay that price of artificial joints and, right. and, and overtraining. All right. So maybe so I should we, think we, about steroids. But we'll talk about that off the air, JT. <laughs> all right. Couple more minutes here with the great JC Santana. So I have said to your son Rio, as we look at this UFC welterweight division and your guy Gilbert Durino Burns factoring prominently in this mix, I've said, hey man, you know, Gilbert Burns, former lightweight, I think he's found the right weight class, but he looks like he's two weight classes removed from Kamzat Chimaya. So I have said to Rio, like, hey, if I'm JC, I might softly say, hey, man, I think there are better fights for us as we try to regain a second crack at Kamaru Usman. Um, but if you are training Gilbert for Hamzat Chimaev, like, does the functional routine change at all given the size discrepancy? Are you trying to methodically add maybe four or five pounds of muscle over six months if that's even possible? I hear you talk about genetic bandwidth. To me, I see two guys in different weight classes, and, and that's the guy that's in your bracket, like it or not. No, I'm there 100%. Uh, I think that guy's a monster. And I don't approach this from an ego standpoint. And I've told Gilbert, uh, you know, I, I, I kind of father my fighters because I'm old. And I give uh -huh. them father, fatherly advice. And I look at it as a business, as a business. And I don't like that fight. And if we're going to go for that fight, okay, um, strength. Strength. You're, you, you don't yeah. need to put on five pounds of muscle because then, remember, if, if we're already – uh, if you're putting in five pounds of muscle, then what's going to happen with that muscle when it comes time to cut weight? Is it, is it going to make the weight cut harder? Is, it, is, is that then going to weaken him? And plus, you don't need muscle for strength. You don't need muscle for strength. Strength, it, it, real elite strength is not a muscle. It's, it's not a morphological event. It's a neurological event. That's why you see powerlifters that are not particularly big, especially in the 160s, 170s. You know, these guys are pulling six, 700 pounds, and you go, how do they do it? They do it. They're built certain genetically. They're neurally wired differently. Yeah. Strength is a neural thing. So strength is not going to be – Gilbert is already strong enough for Hamza. Right. Period. End of story. Gilbert grabs you, and you're done. Okay, now, does he grab you when he's tired? Does he grab you when he's thinking about some other stuff? How does right. he grab you? Does he grab you in the wrong? Because, you know, you, you guys know if I, if I go high on, 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 a, on a body lock versus a little bit lower on a body lock, that's a different strength. High on the yep. body lock, I'm dealing with the lats. It's hard. But if I get that floating rib and, and you get close to me, I can, I can put some shit on it now. Right. 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 So it, it goes back down to technique. So I look at, uh, at uh, Gilbert and I say, what is going to be the approach? And he's going to tell me how he's going to approach it. Then I create, if needed, I'll create some different exercises or exercises. Probably most will be already there that he's going to use if he gets in situations. And, and I'm going to tell him, I always ask the fighter, um, what's your nightmare? 
they go, what? Like, What's your nightmare? What's the position you don't want to be in with him? And we work that position because you got to, yeah. you know, we, we, right. we, we got to make sure that if we get into a bad situation, we're, we're there. We can, we can get out of it. So uh, I don't know if much would change. I think yeah. Gilbert has enough strength. Um, my thing would be conditioning, conditioning, conditioning. Yeah. And even that has a, a top. Right, right. Even that has a top. So, right. Yeah, so no, that's a would good be- answer. All right, last thing before we let you fly. And we've talked about this a little bit off the air. But I'd imagine you hear some untruths out there when you're watching sporting events, whether it's a UFC telecast or another event. When it comes to the human body, human performance, um, is there anything in particular, whether it's me or so, you know, something that is said repeatedly, lactic acid or otherwise, that drives oh, you crazy when it comes to like misconceptions about your field? Yeah, it's shit like that. The lactic acid. Uh, oh, he's all oh, the buildup of lactic acid. Oh, he's got to get rid of the lactic acid. They're measuring. Uh-huh. It's like, guys, lactic acid doesn't exist in the human body. Okay, let's get let's start with that one. All right, lactic acid doesn't exist. It's HLA, and as soon as it's it's produced, it disassociates into hydrogen and lactate. Hydrogen, okay, makes the blood uh, acidic. That can kill you. Lactate, nothing. All right, so. And you don't have to get rid of it. The body processes it like normal. It's like trying to tell me that you got to extract oxygen from the air in some deliberate manner. No, you just breathe the air and the 21% oxygen that's there will do its shit. You don't have to worry about anything. It, it's, it's in there, right? Well, the lactic acid, don't worry about the lactic acid. Now, with that being said, with your training, all right, what we're trying to do is buffer hydrogen. Buffer hydrogen. And triathletes have solutions, okay, that are basic, right. all right, that, that they can, they can um, uh, like, uh, what do you call it, um, sodium citrate, for example, all right, that can help you buffer hydrogen. Right. And, and there's some, uh, some discussion in the scientific uh, world if uh, you can increase your, your, your stores of bicarbonate through training. But that, you know, I, I don't get too much into the geeky stuff, you know. Right. I, I, I kind of keep it here where, where we right. can talk and, and where we can work with. So um, well, th- that kind of stuff. Me. You'll never hear me drop a lactic acid. I think there was actually some sodium citrate in my Gatorade this morning, by the way. There you go. All right. All right. (laughs) On social media, you can find him at JC Santana IHP. Uh, Juan Carlos, can't thank you enough for your time and your insight. We got to figure out a way to get you on the air uh, more frequently. Um, I'll see you later this week so I can push that stupid fucking sled in front of your face. (laughs) And we'll see how that goes, you know. Yeah, that tank, that tank. Wait, you be thankful for that tank. Because if it wasn't for that tank, you'd be behind my truck. Right. No, All right. I will take the tank every day. And, and everybody knows all the way home. Everybody knows about that truck, that truck pull uh, around uh, IHP five times. Everybody. Roddy, Ferguson, uh, Jeff Munson, Louis Arias, all those guys have pushed that. So be thankful for that little tank. Well, hey, I, I got in there 34 times this year. I was away 100 oh. nights a year, so it's pretty good. And uh, I'm just glad Kenny didn't ask you, like, what it's like training me because I don't think our audience really cares about that. I'd so, love hey. to get some videos of him crying during the workout. Yeah. That would be yeah. great. He does that privately. You, you, know, <laughs> you know he's getting his ass kicked when he walks away, and then he gets – he puts his hands on his knees, and then I'm going, all right, leave him alone. <laughs> you know, uh-huh. okay. yeah. yeah. Good stuff. Hey, uh, much love, brother. I'll see you in a couple days. Thank you for the time. We'll talk soon. Thank you. Nice to see you, Kenny. Good to see you. All right. There he is. Juan Carlos Santana with us here on the Anakin Florian podcast. Very interesting stuff there. Very interesting stuff. 
Ken Flo's thinking about cranking Jaws like for the last 15 minutes. <laughs> it was All awesome right. to have him, man. Great to have Yeah, he's a, he's, a, he's a good yeah. resource. And it's interesting with Gilbert Burns because I go in there and I'm talking shit the whole time. I'm like, how are you guys going to beat Hamzat, bro? You know, how are you, you going to beat Jemaya? You know, it's a fucking light heavyweight. You know, um, I love talking shit, but obviously there would be an approach and, and you heard him lay it out. couple programming notes here. Housekeeping items. We are off next Monday, January 3rd. Returning the following week, Monday, January 10th, that'll be the 2021 Anakin Florian Podcast Awards Show, also called the AFPAs, right, if you like that. Um, also that week, um, we will preview UFC Fight Night Cater versus Chikadze. James Krause will be back to make picks uh, for that event as, as the UFC begins its 2022 schedule. Remember, the show is off until next year. They will not be live this Thursday. Um, AnakinFlorianPodcast.com for your merchandise needs. Promo code is FAM15 for 15% off your order. Ken Flo's YouTube channel is linked to this very channel as well. And also, for one more sleep merchandise, millions.co, promo code Mary Johnmas. How about that? The Christmas gift for Ken Flo. It didn't mean you had to wear it for the show today, but we appreciate it. <laughs> Hell yeah, man. Oh, looks good on you. Navy blue is a good color for you. All right, with that, for Ken Flo, our executive producer, Cody Marrow, John Anik saying so long. Happy New Year. Happy 2022. I can feel a uh, big year forthcoming for the little podcast that could. So we'll see you guys next year and uh, looking forward to it. Until then, be safe. Don't text and drive. You'll live.